Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth Podcast. I'm Jack Smith. I'm Shrikar Ajendran. And I'm Anish Gupta. And draft season, it, it's come to a close. We had the NFL draft this past week, an absolutely amazing experience. We, you know, prepped for that for forever. So it was really nice to see the draft. And it was a really, really fun and interesting uh, 2021 NFL draft. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode, talking about some of our favorite teams, our favorite picks, you know, picks we didn't like quite as much, uh, the winners and the losers and, you know, the fallout from the NFL draft. We're also speaking of fallout, going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers once again. Feels like this is a yearly, monthly occurrence <laughs> almost because uh, he's upset again, like Aaron Rodgers normally gets. Uh, so at the end of the episode, we'll talk about that. But Anish, do you want to start us off talking about so your, your instant reaction to the 2021 NFL draft? Yeah, so I definitely, you know, Jack and I made a lot of videos on preparing for the draft. Shrieker also did a lot of his own draft content. I mean, we all contributed to this whole preparation for the NFL draft. We made a lot of videos on it, uh, a lot of scouting reports, a lot of, you know, just overall watching film. Um, so it was really fun to see. And, um, you know, one thing I want to say is a lot of teams this draft, I thought a lot of teams did really, really well. So that was a really cool thing to see. Like last year, there were definitely a lot of teams that had some questionable picks. But this year, I didn't have a problem with most teams. I really didn't have anything where I was like, wow, this team did horrendous, like from start to finish. Uh, so that was a really cool thing. And obviously, you know, just the prep for it, I think to see it all go down, I think it was really, really worth it. I think for me, that first round that we live streamed was probably one of the more entertaining first rounds in recent memory, probably the best one since 2018. Um, and one thing that I was picking up on was all the quarterbacks, or at least the top five, uh, ranging from Trevor Lawrence to Mac Jones, they all landed in spots, you know, that are ultimately going to help them. Like I like all the fits. Uh, I especially like Mac Jones in new England. Um, I like obviously Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Zach Wilson, New York, we got Trey Lance on the Niners. It all works out for each of them. I think they're all in great situations and, you know, for the future, like, this is great. Like they're all, I think they're all going to shine in their own ways, but you know, it's interesting to see how it plays out because if we look back to 2018, you know, all of them ended up, you know, somewhat good. Uh, but, you know, could this class repeat that sort of success that we saw in 2018? That's my big question heading into next year in the future. Yeah, I think to, to also develop a little bit of what Anish was talking about, I think the fact that we watched, you know, all that film and, and learned about so many different prospects just made it so like we realized there are a ton of these teams who had such great drafts, like watching it and, and realizing how much value teams got. And yep. I think this is a year that the teams drafting smart really stood out. Like, like you mentioned, not very many teams had bad drafts. I don't think anyone had a terrible draft. I think there are some like, you know, C's, maybe C pluses, um, but no team had a bad draft. And a lot of teams had really good drafts, like B plus a minus drafts yep. um, because they, there weren't really very many bad trades. Uh, a lot of players, there weren't like hor horrific reaches unless you were the Raiders, but they, they leveled that out <laughs> later. Um, yeah. And so a lot of teams just had very solid drafts. Um, and like you mentioned, Trigar, the first round of this draft was so entertaining. I mean, we were kind of on the edge of our seat for all the picks, you know, wondering who's going to go. And then, and then there's so many things that shook it up. It was, it was really awesome. And I do agree with you that the, uh, that all the quarterbacks kind of ended up uh, in their spots, but I know we're talking about the draft and a lot of these players uh, who have just been drafted, they've got one big thing to worry about, which is roster cut still and getting cut. Like, I mean, you guys know is, is the worst, whether it's in an NFL training camp, or shaving in your bathroom on a Saturday morning. You never want to get cut. And today's sponsor of this episode is here to help. 
Today's episode is brought to you guys, CHT Nation, by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. And yeah, you guys heard that right, the 4.0. We were some of the first people to actually get to try out the new 4.0, and we were blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are absolutely, I mean, next level. We can tell you that from experience, next level. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredible comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And with this advanced technology and the ceramic blade, you guys can definitely feel safe and confident about shaving your pigskins. And unlike Tom Brady, uh, you don't have to worry about deflations. Did I mention wireless charging, by the way? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction which can help battery length last longer. Along with the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped has other amazing products like their Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, and super comfy clothing like this t-shirt we're all wearing right now. Manscaped is already the official below the waist grooming partner of the San Francisco 49ers, and we are super excited to partner with them and bring the products to you guys. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHT20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CHT20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Everything you guys need to know will be down in the description. If you're on YouTube, the description for this video and the pinned comment. And if you're listening on any of our other platforms, it'll be in the episode description. Oh, it's great to have a sponsor for these episodes. It's it's an interesting hey, clap one. It up to Jack for reading it. Hey. hey, you guys will get it from job, from them from them if they sponsor a future episode. Uh, don't want to spoil anything, but you yep. know the Manscaped is, is we're super happy to to you know partner with them and bring you their products. But back to the draft. Back to the draft. Which one of you guys you know want to talk about some of your favorite picks, favorite teams drafts? Uh, the kind of the floor is open. We'll see where this where this goes. Who wants to start? Oh, I would love to start. Uh, let's talk about, let's, you, you, you said favorite teams draft and, you know, Anish thinks I'm very biased. So yes, <laughs> as in normal fashion, I will talk about the San Francisco 49ers. No. Um, yeah. Wow. Who, who, who would have thought, who would have thought, uh, look, Kyle Shanahan set up the perfect smoke screen without even setting it up. The media set up a Mac Jones smokescreen and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch ran with it. And my God, did it work? Trey Lance is the pick for the 49ers here. Admittedly, I didn't even think it'd be Trey Lance. Uh, I thought it'd come down to Mac Jones or Justin Fields. I thought it'd be Justin Fields out of those two. Uh, I know Jack thought it'd be Mac Jones and each thought it'd be Trey Lance. So kudos to you. But um, look, I love the pick. I love Trey Lance. Um, admit, I wasn't really, you know, ecstatic about it at first but you know as the first round kind of went on uh, even into days two and three of the draft as we started building around the future building around Trey Lance you know with Aaron Banks with Trey Sermon it just kind of got to a point where like Shanahan is going to do wonders with this kid like um, you know he wants he wanted a guy that could throw like Drew Brees and move like Lamar Jackson and Trey Lance you could definitely be getting that um, and now the lack of experience it does concern me but look, Jimmy is still on the team. Like he's not going anywhere. He's going to be a great mentor. Um, you know, we'll touch on this later, but um, mentorship towards young QBs, it's always so valuable, especially from a vet. Um, and I think with Jimmy just immediately reaching out, um, texting Trey Lance, you know, 
I'm comfortable with the situation that we're in. Like I'm confident going into the future. Um, some picks like even later on Talanoa Hufanga, he's going to be a beast. Like I love him as a box safety, uh, we're planning to play him strong. Uh, he could play that hybrid role. I know Jack is just smiling right there. Uh, shout yeah. out to USC. Next Troy Polamalu. I'm going to hear that for the next few years. He's working out he's... with Troy. I mean, he's not going to yeah. be the next Polamalu, yes, but, uh, I mean, he'll, he'll be a great safety. Um, uh, we have, who else we got? Ambry Thomas, Diamador Lenoir, Lenoir from Oregon. I keep mispronouncing his name. Um, doubling down on running backs, go to Elijah Mitchell. And we also got Trey Sermon. So we got a speed back and we got an every down back. Kind of interested to see how that plays out because the running back room in San Francisco is, dare I say, it, it's kind of a revolving door. Most is always hurt. It's also a very large it's running back room. huge. I mean, we're talking exactly. five. Like Chicago five, Bears tight end room almost. Hey, yeah. but I mean, Shanahan's offense, it's predicated on the run game. Um, this is another thing that's going to benefit Trey Lance and his lack of experience. Like he won't have to throw it like, you know, a crazy amount of times, but he can make those off schedule throws. He'll make those off script plays that we need. He'll keep the play alive. And that's what I really love about Trey Lance. That's what I love about the Niners draft. Um, and really like, I don't want to keep ranting here. So uh, <laughs> if one of y'all want to talk about the Jets right. of the Browns. Yeah, I can take it over. I, I just wanted to say a quick thing. Like I watched uh, a video on the whole Trey Lance and Mac Jones thing, like just those two specific picks. And I think for Trey Lance, this, this is probably the best situation you could go yep. to because I think he is kind of the least accurate of the four uh, of the five, uh, like in terms of, you know, throwing accuracy and placement throws, but Trey Lance is a guy that'll really learn the playbook and keep in mind, he came into the top FCS school in the country. Like this was, the t- and you know, there was some pressure, right. You know, kind of filling the void of Carson Wentz in 2019, or at least they had a good quarterback. And he goes 16 and 0 wins the national championship, uh, 42 total touchdowns, 28 passing and no picks. So, you know, he, he definitely stepped up to the challenge. And, uh, you know, I think Kyle Shannon is getting a guy that, you know, can really learn the system. He'll have time to, right. Uh, you don't have to throw him in the fire right away. Jimmy G can start. Uh, and I'm also really, really ecstatic about that Mac Jones, New England pick. Uh, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge believer in Bill Belichick. I think he's the greatest coach ever. And, uh, I think, you know, Mac Jones, this is a perfect spot for him. You know, he's literally, you know, he plays so similar to Tom Brady. He's really just in between that tackle box. Right. Um, uh, that's where he thrives. And uh, I'm excited to see, you know, and he's a little bit more mobile than Tom Brady that, and as you can see by the walk, <laughs> he's very excited to be a Patriot, but let me transition it over to my team, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I mean, you know, I kind of had to wait a little bit longer than these two guys. These guys got two of the top three picks in the draft. I had to wait all the way to pick 26. I think it was like three and a half hours in the, yeah. in the dang stream. Yeah, so but um, I mean, we selected uh, Greg Newsom, Northwestern corner. And I told these guys right away, I mean, my initial reaction was like, wait a minute, what? I mean, there was a guy that was available that I wanted. And, uh, you know, this was before I, you know, remembered we had Anthony Walker. So keep in mind, I didn't have that <laughs> in my mind at the time. So I was like, wait a minute, who's our linebacker? So I went, I, you know, I was after the stream, I was like, oh my God, Andrew Barry. I was questioning it. I never doubt my boy, Andrew Barry. I told actually a couple uh, cause you know, well, you, did. I'm gonna leave. you just did. No, no, you I did. didn't doubt. Him. I was I the one who said him. trust in Andrew Barry because so I watched Newsom after it and I love, uh, he only allowed 12 catches all year, all yeah. year. 
Yeah, so I was happy. I was happier with the pick. But then, you know, I was like, all right, Barry, why did we choose Newsom? And then I was I was like, you know, I was a little bit questioned. But then later did we know I was taking a nap. I wake up. I see the Browns trade up to pick 52. And then they draft Jeremiah Uwosu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame, the Butkus Award winner, literally the 15th ranked prospect on Daniel Jeremiah's board at pick 52. Now, I'm not going to say anything like Jack and say, oh, this guy's the next, you know, Ray Lewis or anything like that. But when would I, say I thought that? it was a great pick. Great value. You pick great value pick. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I, this is coming from. No, no, this is just Jack comparing USC players to absolute studs. So they okay didn't uh, go to USC. Jeremiah, oh, to Notre Dame. Great guy. I'm very happy about the pick. I, I mean, you know, at, at least for a value wise, and I think he's very talented. Obviously, scouting him and all, and all the comments were like uh, after that. It was like, hey, you got your guy a little bit later than you expected. I was like, yep, yep. Uh, so shout out whoever is watching this who also commented on that vid. Uh, but I think the Browns draft overall. I mean, I'm looking. I was looking at grades also from ESPN and NFL.com. They got straight A's. Like it yep. was just. I mean, there was some. This dude, Andrew Barry, man, like, remember his name. Like, I know most fans won't know who he is, but he is the GM of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Ivy League guy, you know, very analytically based. Uh, so I'm very happy about him. And already two years in, and I think he's one of the best GMs we've ever had. Uh, I love the Anthony Schwartz pick. Uh, he ran a 4-2-5-40. Yeah, a 4-2-5. Um, and, uh, you know, we got uh, an OT out of Cincinnati, James Hudson. I know Jack wasn't too fond of the pick, but I thought it was great O-line depth. Uh, we got a defensive tackle from Ohio State uh, that I forgot about. Like, Jack was telling me we drafted. I was like, wait a minute, who? And then I had to look him up, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and we got a safety. So, basically, we covered all the positions that we needed to. We got a safety, got a linebacker, uh, two linebackers, uh, got a defensive tackle, and uh, some O-line depth, which I was really happy about. I think the Browns didn't, you know, they just did what they needed to do. Like, they, they addressed the positions of need all while keeping picks for the future, and while not overspending on anything, they didn't trade. They only traded up once and they actually traded back a couple of times, got some picks for the future. I was ecstatic about this draft. Literally, this couldn't have gone better in my opinion. Like this was great. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'll say. You know, not much to really elaborate on. I think one of the underrated uh, picks that we had was uh, Troy Fields, the second out of West Virginia. I really like that pick. Well, his name is uh, Tony. So I guess it is yeah. pretty Sorry, underrated Tony pick. Under- <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting mixed up with Troy Hill and Tony Fields. My bad. Tony Fields, the second out of West Virginia. But yeah, that was one of the underrated picks I liked. Uh, but yeah, I'll pass it on to Jack for the Jets. Yeah. I mean, I love the I love the the Brown trap too. I have one question for you though. How, how the hell are you taking a nap during the second round of the NFL draft? Right. Yeah, I'm. I apologize. I got very sleepy <laughs> after. I think which pick was it? I think it was after the Pats took Barmore. <laughs> just, I just that was crashed. early. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, hey, the Pats got a steal. Let me just crash for a little bit. Yeah, you're like, I am. Yeah. Then I woke up for pick fifty-two, so it was all good. Yeah, I mean, I I love the Browns draft. I like the Trey Lance pick. Um, when my scouting report, I I literally said, I think. I am skeptical about Trey Lance, but if he goes to a team that's going to drop everything to make an offense for him and build things around him, then I think he's going to succeed. And I said, the one place that I think that would work the best is in San Francisco. And when the news came out that the Niners had traded up to pick three, everyone's like, Oh, is this Mac Jones? This is Justin Fields. And I'm like, I mean, please don't rule out Trey Lance. I mean, I think I said from a while, the fit, would be would be great and, and you know, I, I did in my mock draft say they would take Mac Jones because that's just what I was feeling uh, from coverage of the pick and, and it was kind of where I was leaning but I always thought that Trey Lance was maybe the best fit out of all the quarterbacks uh, so I really like that pick and the Browns draft I think was great you you forgot to mention uh, Demetric Felton too running back from UCLA yeah so he, the, he, mm-hmm. he could play in the slot he's going to be that perfect third wide receiver 
our third running back behind uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And if yep. Hunt ends up leaving, I feel like he's a, he's a good second option because he's a perfect foil for Nick Chubb. Uh, yep. But to get to the Jets, uh, you know, I love Sam Darnold, but I've always wanted, you know, since I realized that they were going to move on, I wanted Zach Wilson on the Jets. And so I love the pick at pick two. And then trading up for one of my favorite players in the draft class, Elijah Vera Tucker at 14. People have been har- uh, harping on the tr- on the trade, which I don't understand. I mean, trading up nine spots in the first round to grab a player that's at near the top of your board and giving up two thirds in a year where, you know, they were still able to land someone great in the second round and, and some steals in the fourth round, as well as when they have so many picks next year. Like I, I think if, if you see a guy that you like, especially at a position like offensive line where you need it to protect Zach Wilson, you do that and trading up two thirds. I, yeah, I don't care what the trade chart says. That's a good trade. I really think it was a good trade going up, getting Elijah Bear Tucker easily the best guard in the draft to me. And especially in the LaFleur offense, the Shanahan offense that the Jets are going to be running this year uh, with Mike LaFleur as their offensive coordinator, they need guards that are fast and are able to get to the second level to block for the running backs. And there's no quicker, uh, quicker off the ball, fast, get to the second level guard than Elijah Bear Tucker. And the fact that they can either play him at left guard or right tackle, really, if they want to, uh, it's, I think it was a great pick. And then in the second in the second round, being able to land Elijah Moore, who a lot of people have as a first round talent, I I hadn't done you know a, a ton of studying on Elijah Moore, and I but I had seen that you know a lot of people were very high on him, and, and I liked what I had seen. Um, and so the fact they were able to land a a rising prospect, especially before the draft. Like those are the prospects that you really have to look out for because in the last couple of weeks before the draft, Elijah Moore was just skyrocketing up boards. You see him going higher and higher in mock drafts. Uh, and since he was there at 34, I liked the pick would have liked maybe some other guys a little bit more. I would have liked JOK. Tevin Jenkins would have been a good <laughs> pick to me, uh, but Elijah Moore being able to be that slot weapon. Uh, I think he's going to be the perfect IUK fit, like a, a mix between IUK and Debo in the, in this new jets offense. And then being able to take over for Crowder in a couple of years. I like that pick too. And then the Jets, like like I've always said, I don't like taking running back high in the draft and neither did the Jets. They waited till the fourth round. And a lot of people's like fourth running back on their boards, Michael Carter from uh, UNC was there with their first fourth round pick. And so like, I want to raise this question. Like, would you rather have the like the first running back on the board with the 24th overall pick or a fourth round or the, the fourth best running back in the draft at the fourth round pick. Like, I don't know. I think that it's very, it's very, it's very situation based though, because I think like there were some, there are some running backs that have really panned out. Like, you know, Christian McCaffrey pick eight was a very good pan out. Uh, You know, like, but but obviously again, so running backs do tend to get injured a lot. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree. Right. In that situation, fine. But you know, once, once they're healthy, how much can they really help you? And like, we've seen all these late round guys really, come out right like you know alvin camaro has been great uh dalvin cook kind of slipped because uh, of his off the field issue but when he got picked he was great so uh but like you said like there hasn't really been a running back that's been consistently healthy besides derrick henry and obviously knock on wood for him and, and even uh, him but, his first two years he didn't do anything yeah exactly so mm-hmm. and he wasn't uh, and he I, wasn't I even like a top of the first round guy like, I mean, no, you look at players, there's so many good running backs that have been taken early in the draft. You think about Zeke, you think about Leonard Fournette when he was yep. in his prime, you think about Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, but Saquon Barkley out with the torn ACL after being injured the year before Christian McCaffrey out all year this year, Zeke hasn't been the same in a couple of years and Leonard Fournette fell off. Like, and that's just naming a couple. So the Jets able to able to land a lot of people's, you know, fourth overall running back on their board in the fourth round. I love it. Michael Carter, he's, he's super shifty, great vision. 
really great downfield vision too. Like when you talk about ball carrier vision, you always talk about kind of like reading the gaps initially, but he's great down the field too. There's, there's one specific run. I forget who the team it was against, but his vision was absolutely insane. Great juke moves. I think he's going to be a good fit in this offense. And they had some other, some other great picks. Uh, and, and so like all the way down the board, good trade backs too, uh, getting good value. So I liked what the Jets did this year. I think, they were among my, maybe my top five favorite drafts. Uh, they're not one. I don't think I really liked what the Vikings did, what the lions did, what the Browns did, what the bears did and what the jets did. I think those were my five favorite. And the chargers. Drafts. I love chargers, the chargers. Chargers, chargers. The chargers were they one and two. The chargers. Yeah. The chargers after their first and their first couple of picks were like at that level, but I think their last kind of couple selections kind of dropped them. Like they're probably like right there at six. Yeah. Um, but we've yeah. talked about two of the f- two of my five favorite drafts. If you guys want to move on, uh, talk about maybe the Lions, the Vikings, or specifically the Bears. I feel like the Bears are the most polarizing oh, yeah. after what happened in round one. But I guess, Shrikar, the floor is yours if you want to talk about any of those teams. Uh, I'll talk about the Lions. I mean, their draft was pretty underrated. You know, yeah. I never really thought about how good of a draft Brad Holmes was having until, like, I really looked at it in, like, the third round. Like, getting Panay Sewell at seven, first of all, like, that's a steal. Like, yep. come on, yep. that's a steal. Um, and we could see how, how ecstatic Brad Holmes was, you know, how ecstatic Dan Campbell was. They were hugging each other. There's this Ric Flair woos that's, just going that's around. That's a culture like, change. No, that's, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's my Campbell point. Pick too. That's I, my I'm, point. I'm really coming around on Dan Campbell. Like, have we ever, weird, but have you ever seen Matt Patricia or, uh, their no, have we ever man. seen a Lions front office, like have that sort of energy for a draft? No. no. Or actually and draft that's what well. I love. That's yeah. what I love so much. Like, through that one video, we could see that Detroit was starting to turn around. Yeah. It didn't have to be through a player. It didn't have to be something tangible. We could just see it. Yep. And that's what's so amazing about this. Um, and after Dan Campbell's introductory presser, he was talking about biting kneecaps. You know, we're all just shying away. We're like, what was this dude talking about? Now I see what he's going for. Panay yep. Sewell is, you know, he's a kneecap biter. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they're getting those type of players. Like yeah. they're getting those type of players. Uh, and they also got Levon Muzarike in the second, I believe. Yep. Uh, that's yep. also another great pick. Uh, it's just what the Lions were able to do this draft. You know, it signals a turnaround. And that's what's so great about that Lions draft. Uh, the Bears, look, you got you got Justin Fields. I mean, it's a great trade up. You got your, you got your franchise quarterback, hopefully. Um, it's just... Can I guarantee success from Justin Fields in Chicago? He is my second ranked quarterback coming into this draft. You know, who knows? Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they just saved their jobs right here. Oh, Ryan Pace. Oh, did. no, they they might get an extension. They might get an extension tremendous. for this. I mean, well, I think like they the- I mean they were probably a little bit selfish uh trying to keep their jobs because getting Justin yeah. Fields, you can't fire them both one year into Fields' career. I think yeah. here's the, I think Ryan Pace for sure is locked in. Matt Nagy. Yeah. You know, there's still some job security to his I name. Just, but keep it, like, gone. I mean, for the Bears, though, like, you know, I was talking with a couple of Bears fans, too. Like, this, I mean, look, I've told you, I've been saying this all offseason. I mean, just from a Chicago narrative standpoint, Chicago has been starving for a guy. I mean, yep. and they've always kind of had the same, you know, big, you know, strong six foot three, you know, white quarterback, right? Like, you know, the Rex Grossman's of the world, Jay Cutler, right? Jay Cutler. I mean, like they, you know, just, they, they've had the same type of guy for so long. And finally they get someone who's flashy or a game changer. And a lot of people say Justin Fields reminds them of Russell Wilson at times. And, hey, I see it. I see it. I see, Deshaun, I see, you know, pre everything that's going on right now, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like, no, he's, 
He's someone yeah, that's going to fill up the seats in Chicago. Like yep, he's yep, exactly. a box he's office box guy, office. you know, yep. and that's what Chicago needed. Like, and also while we're on the topic of the bears, the other team in this trade-up scenario, the, the New York giants, look, I know it wasn't that long ago where I said, Dave Gettleman does not know what he's doing in the draft. I'm so sorry, Dave Gettleman. You might be redeemed right here. That trade back. Well, it, you got an extra first for next year. First of all, Kadarius Tony at 20. That's actually really not that bad. Now that I think about the giants offense, who they already have um, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, uh, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony should fit in like very nicely into that offense. Uh, and then who they get Aziz Ojolari in the yeah. second round. That's yep. really that good value. Great. That was um, very good. And it's like, you also got Aaron Robinson in the yep. second or the third. I forgot what round it was. But those are three great picks right there. Hopefully, I'm hoping they pan out. And if they do pan out, I am taking back what I said. Dave Gettleman is a great general manager, and he is overhated. But for now, I'm still going to stay on that stance of he has one phase, you know, locked down with free agency. Now, can he get the draft down? Because it's still yet to see how these rookies develop. But look, if this draft class pans out, I think there is a big turning point, you know, in this Dave Gettleman arc right here. So we got to give it up to the Giants for what they were able to do. I mean, so, I mean, to stick on the Giants, a lot of that does, it actually kind of adds more pressure on Daniel Jones now because oh, yeah. even more because this class will also only go as far as to some extent their offense takes them and who is their mm-hmm. offense led by, by their quarterback. And maybe, I maybe, think, I mean, if, if he doesn't do well this year, that offense is still there and he's not, and it's a perfect offense for a rookie quarterback to come into. And it you have is, an extra first think, for that. But I, but that's what I'm saying, right? Like those first round picks will definitely help them. Um, and I think, you know, that trade back, you know, that part at least I was very happy with. The Tony pick, okay, I thought it was a reach. But I actually, out of all three of us, I don't know. I really liked him. I, I think I said in my mock draft. I liked him. I, I just really, thought it was a reach. Yeah. No, I, I don't I mind the picks too, but I think he's insane after the catch. One of the most shifty receivers I've seen. Like he can get four yards plus of separation on you on a route. Like, that's short really area cool. quickness. That's exactly but what I, the I wanted Giants to stay need. on the NFCs and talk about the Eagles really quick. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Philly, like Howie Roseman did tremendous. In my opinion, I thought he did really good because yep. here's the thing. You have three potential first round picks next year, barring obviously if Wentz yep. can uh, meet those conditions. But I mean, like, let's just put it into perspective, right? Devontae Smith, they finally get like the, you know, there's always there was always a question with the receiver they picked. Devontae definitely has some questions, but this is like this is a guy that, you know, you can really throw in and he he's been a number one before. Like, this is probably the best receiver that they have drafted. Like at you know, yeah. best value pick, right? I mean, we're not gonna talk about our Sega Whiteside and Jalen Rager. Like, this is this is a dude, this is a dog. Like, this is Devontae Smith. Like he I I think, and also, you know, the fact that they got, you know, with that third round pick, did they use it on Milton Williams or it was, was that? Milton Williams. It was Milton Williams. Uh, the second, okay. the second round yeah. pick was Landon, Landon, uh, Landon Dickerson. Dickerson. Yeah. Yeah. So the Landon Dickerson, I also like, remember I told you guys, I like that pick. Uh, I thought he was a first round guy, or at least we all yeah. had him to. Uh, yeah, I did. With, with, with so, medical, without medical issues, he has an argument for being the best offensive, just pure offensive yeah. lineman in this class. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he was, and again, like I said, quarterback of an Alabama offensive line is yep. always going to give you a plus. Uh, and I think what Howie Roseman did was again he set himself up for another kind of he set the Eagles up to where okay, if this experiment doesn't work, there's always a, there's a backup plan next year, right? Because look at look at what Houston did. They they tried an experiment getting rid of Hopkins, seeing what they could do with you know maybe the core around them. I, I still question what they were thinking. But they but, didn't have that backup. Yeah, but exactly. So they they gave it all away with Tunsil. So mm-hmm. you know, 
at least they're putting themselves in a situation where, hey, let's test out the sport. And let's think about it, though, right? Hurts, Sanders, Smith. That's a decent big three, yeah. in my opinion. Like, And if Rager can I, be I like anything, it. he's a good number yeah. two. Exactly. Here's my, con- here's my concern with the Devontae Smith pick, though. Because, you no, know, I'm not going to question Devontae Smith's talent, his heart, none of that. My problem is with how the Eagles have developed receivers in the past. Yeah. That's yeah. my one concern. As in terms of like where I wanted him to go, I really didn't know if I wanted Devontae on the Eagles. It's a good pickup for them for sure. But, you know, I really hope he pans out in Philly because they I mean, need it's been, that wide it's receiver been one. Eight, it's been seven to eight years since they've had – like for it's, like yeah. I mean, Jeremy Macklin is the last, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, maybe, but Jeremy Macklin is maybe the last like true guy. Cause I mean, you could argue 2017 Alshon, but yeah, I wouldn't say that. Like, I think, I think, but actually Smith kind of has a similar build to Jeremy Macklin, uh, but like, you know, it's a different system. That was Chip Kelly. So that was very, very long ago. And I'm, you know, kind of questioning what I think, I don't know if Seriani's calling plays, um, but he never has before. Yeah, that's so why I, I hated that. That yeah, I didn't like the sign. So, but hey, they, I mean, this is a good start though. With the, at least with the draft, I mean, yep. I was, it's a good start. So mm. I don't know how they're gonna do. Uh, I also like the USC DT that they took. Uh, yeah, Tuipulotu. Tuipulotu. He was yeah. really good to start the season. Kind of fell off a little bit, but he, I mean, he's he's just gonna be that that defensive tackle that's very solid against the run and has that pass pass rush upside. And he's, he's a learning good from Fletcher pick. Cox. So he's a really good a flyer pick. Yeah, and, yeah, I think to move on. Uh, I liked what you guys talked about for both those teams. Detroit, I feel like they got a lot of those Dan Campbell guys, a lot of those guys to be excited about. Uh, a couple of guys we forgot to mention. St. Brown, we didn't even mention. I'm yeah, so St. Brown, Melifonwu, yeah. two great. I mean, the fact that St. Brown is, is literally just going to be that Marvin Jones clone. He's going to be there for eight years. He's never going to be like a top 10, 15 wide receiver, but he's going to be super solid. He's going to get at least like 800 yards and, and, I don't know, seven touchdowns across his prime when he's doing well. Like, and then also Melifon was going to be a, a good upside corner alongside Jeff Okuda eventually. And Trigger, I know it stung having him t- go right right ahead of the Niners. Hey, go Orange. I don't know how Fatu Melifon was slid. Like, he, I don't know how he slid that far. I thought he'd be a second rounder, but I mean, he'll have a good career in Detroit. I like him across from Okuda. Yeah, and you'll find you'll find Trigger at Syracuse later this year. Yep. Um, yes, sir. But, Big congrats. The Lions, the Lions were able to, I feel like they were able to help Goff now, but also if Goff isn't their guy, they have a great offensive line. Like one of the, I think almost a top 10 offensive line now in place uh, for when their rookie quarterback does come in, if they decide to move on from Goff and they'll only need to add, you know, a receiver or two. And they're still up and coming on defense. I think Dan Campbell could be that Joe judge, Brian Flores coach where like you weren't expecting it to be great. Uh, but then he, he kind of proved himself, uh, uh, the Giants, I liked what they did. I liked the trade back. Uh, I thought Dave Gettleman actually did have a pretty good draft on paper right now. We'll see how it pans out. Um, but the team I want to talk about also, who I believe I, I might have picked them to have the best draft last year, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, yeah. Traded back with the Jets, yeah. got two extra third-round picks, and got the guy that, that people thought they would get at 14. Derisaw, uh, Christian Derisaw slid for medical reasons, but they were able to still pick him up. Uh, then they got Kellen Mond, who I'm not a huge fan of Kellen Mond, but I feel like he's a very, very high upside pick. He's going to be a good backup, even if, you know, he never becomes the the franchise guy in Minnesota. They've never really had a good backup quarterback. That's always been a problem. This is a guy that at, very wor- at the very worst is going to push Kirk Cousins to be a better quarterback. Yep. That's yeah, a good yeah. move for them. Um, and then uh, being able to take Wyatt Davis in the third yeah, round, who a lot say, of people like, had as, you know, possibly even a first rounder, fringe second rounder. 
and they were able to pick him up in the third round. So they're going to have Christian Darisaw at left tackle, Wyatt Davis at right tackle, Brian O'Neill. Oh, uh, they'll probably uh, put Wyatt Davis at right guard, Brian O'Neill at right tackle. That's a, yeah. that's a great offensive line. And then Bradbury, if, if he works out, like that's a great offensive line. It's going to be good for the Kirk. best that Kirk has had in Minnesota. Yep. And then they took a lot of developmental pass rushers. And I feel like they're the team that if you're a developmental pass rusher, you want to go to them because they always make it work with their guys. I mean, Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter. I think Patrick Jones was one of my favorite picks of the draft to them because I feel like he's a very yeah. raw, a raw prospect. But if he can work out, he's got the perfect build. He, he's got power. He's got strength. He's got speed. If they can make it work, I mean, he's going to be alongside Daniel Hunter for a while. Uh, so I think, again, the Vikings, once again, had one of the best drafts. So to me, I'll probably, I, I kind of, I'm thinking about doing maybe a film breakdown video on my five best drafts. Uh, so I, I guess I'll be spoiling it a little bit, but Lions, Vikings, Browns, Jets, and Bears loved their drafts. And then you can mention Agreed. the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can mention the Jaguars. Like they had some good picks. I like, didn't like the ETN one a whole yeah. time, but overall, I really, really loved what a lot of the teams did this year. Like if, if, yeah. if we were to yep. do a grades video, I'd say 80% are at least a B B minus more B plus. And I think at least that. a B plus. Like yeah. And, and a lot of teams would be getting A's A minuses. So a, a really great draft and really fun to watch too. Um, mm-hmm. That's enough positivity though. Let's, let's get into some of the picks. Maybe we didn't like some of the teams drafts. We didn't like Shrikar, You want to start us off? So one pick that I didn't really like was one that I actually predicted would happen. And that was Alex Leatherwood to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the only reason I really like predicted it was because in recent years, we've seen Mike Mayock and John Gruden go for Alabama and Clemson players and Ohio state players. They go for pedigree over value. And, you know, to me, Mike Mayock may not care if it's a reach or not. Like, but man, that was, that, that was a reach. Like it's gotten to a point where you do it so much. You go for these Bama players and, and you know, it happened with Clemson to a Cleveland Pharrell and you yep. take them at four. It's just, you don't, if you don't have that care for value and you're just too negligent on looking to, you know, a smaller school or, you know, you don't have to go for the, for the top dog schools every single time. Like I get that for leadership and stuff and you have national championship or like playoff experience. But to me, it's just, if it hasn't worked in the past, why would you keep repeating the same mistake? It's just, it, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I do think the Raiders bounce back though, with the pick of Merrig, uh, he was sliding and I think he'll be a good fit in the Raiders defense. But I mean, the Alex Leatherwood pick is definitely a head scratcher in terms of a team that I really didn't like uh, in this draft. Uh, I guess the New, or- uh, New Orleans Saints, because first of all, the pick of Peyton Turner kind of confused me. He was mocked as maybe, you know, a late second, probably uh, maybe to mid third talent. And you take him at 28, especially when there are other pressing needs on your roster. Like I would have went with a corner. Um, Asante Samuel would have been a nice fit. Uh, in New Orleans, in my opinion, but you know, they had four corners on the depth chart heading into the draft. And like that immediately signaled to me, like, and especially if you wanted to trade up, I feel like they were trying to trade up for a corner, maybe Caleb Farley, Uh, like an edge rusher that kind of confuses me, especially with your, with the 28th pick. I don't see the value there. Uh, Another pick that I really didn't like from the saints was Ian book. In my opinion, Ian book, you know, Definitely in the bottom tier of the QBs in this class. Uh, they took him pretty early. I forgot r- what round they took him, but they took him earlier than I anticipated. I think it was fourth. fourth. That's, that's yeah. high for Ian Book. Um, it's not that I don't like Ian Book. It's just 
do you really see him being the future New Orleans? I think Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill were good enough. I mean, you can even go for, you know, a franchise QB in next year's draft. Ian Book is just jumping the gun a bit. It might have been a wasted pick to me. So I wasn't a big fan of the Saints draft or, you know, the Alex Leatherwood pick, as I was saying before with the Raiders. There were a lot of teams, again, very few things that I really didn't like. Uh, I'll kind of throw out the Steelers. I mean, <laughs> no, like, bias in it. But, I mean, you know, with the Najee Harris pick, you know, I can definitely understand it. Like, there's a glaring need at running back. So, you know, I can understand. I did a video on him. He was my number one running back. I thought he was a three-down back, great pass protector. Uh, I thought the tight end that they took, Pat Faramuth. Faramuth, yeah. I, say he, I mean, he's good. I, he's good. But He's a he's good, good tight end, but didn't need over him. a guy – you know, they had Creed Humphrey there. I think there was, I think Red Uns was still. Wow. Yeah. And Quinn Miners. Uh, I, I think, is I think Vance he McDonald's was still on the Steelers. Um, Vance McDonald, I believe is a, uh, is a lion. No, I think he retired. Dude. <laughs> did, did they saw, they saw of Ebron though, right? Yeah. I think Which so. Makes, yeah. Yeah. Still I, have Ebron, really, that makes I didn't no get sense. the pay. I mean, they took obviously the Texas A&M guy. I think it was Dan Moore later, yep. but I think with Pittsburgh, just, you know, there were a couple picks that I thought, you know, like again, Najee, you know, maybe I think you could have actually maybe let it fall to the second round and try and trade up. I think that would have been maybe a little bit better. Like 24, I think there were some decent, like maybe Tevin Jenkins, I thought was maybe a guy that you could have gone with. Uh, you know, that was one thing. And then maybe, you know, kind of I was going to talk about the Saints, with, uh, what Shriko was saying, but also the Texans. I mean, just overall, like you didn't have any picks to do with. And then obviously your first pick was Davis Mills, which I mean, I don't know. I feel like like weird thing i mean yeah you can kind of have to have some type of plan for obviously i don't want to talk about it but you know the deshaun watson saga you know definitely want to have some sort of plan um but again just a lot of picks that you know i thought uh most teams did really well uh also maybe tampa bay uh joe Tryon. i think they reached a little bit uh but you know they kind of don't they, need they could afford it. like they have yeah they could afford to reach um, but you know, that, that's probably all I have. I thought, you know, most of the picks were great. I know Jack has one glaring pick that he wants to talk about. So I'll pass it on to him. Well, yeah. So I to think to mention the Steelers, I didn't like the Najee Harris pick, but it would have been made a lot better if they were able to address that offensive line need in the second round, taking yeah, uh, Quinn exactly. Miners or taking Creed Humphrey, even that would make that pick look Creed a little bit better good. to me, yeah. but taking Najee Harris and then taking a tight end and then not really addressing O-line yeah. that, that made me upset because Who's who's Najee running behind? I mean, yeah, really, Steelers who's he running behind? So, not, not yeah, no Villanueva, no Pouncey. Yeah, oh. and and with Big Ben not being able to throw the ball down the field, teams are already going to stack the box. Yeah, and having you know bringing in Tevin Jenkins to play at left tackle and and running with oh. a cut rate running back like I mean even you know Michael Carter or Trey Sermon, I feel like that would be better than running with Najee behind no offensive line. I, that's just me. Um, like I think you could talk about like, Oh, Derrick Henry worked late in the first round as a kind of same style running back out of Alabama, but the Tennessee Titans offensive line was better. It was, it yeah, was better. hundred percent. Uh, Taylor, the and Roger Sasso. Derrick Henry Conklin. has a stronger build. Like a that's way true. Stronger build yeah. That's true. And, but I mean, then you factor in the Najee Harris can catch the ball a little bit better out of the back. Yeah. So it evens mm-hmm. out a little bit. Um, so I was not super happy about the Najee Harris pick, but then the Travis Etienne pick right after I mentioned it earlier, I didn't like it. I hated it. It made no sense to me. They already have James Robinson. They signed Carlos Hyde. And so you're thinking, oh, wait, so then is James Robinson just going to fall by the wayside? No, no, no. Urban Meyer came out, said, I want James Robinson and Carlos Hyde to be the one-two punch. And so that means Travis Etienne's a third down running back. 
and I saw or him average receiver, it out. right? Like it. Or even, what are you yeah, gonna? Like, okay. Where are you gonna put okay, him? Okay. Now like, that so now that so, you're telling me that, like I originally thought like it wasn't a bad pick. Now that you're telling me this, like okay. Oh yeah, and no, so, this was yeah. That's yeah, I mean, now I, it like, doesn't I, make I, sense. I get bringing him in to make Trevor Lawrence comfortable. I get it was probably Trevor Lawrence saying, they ask him, who do you want at 25? He's like, you know what? Travis is a great football player. But the fact that an average NFL team, they average 11 third down snaps per game. So not only is, is, you know, Travis, it's not like he's getting 11 touches per game. If he's just a third down running back, he's getting 11 snaps on the field per game with the 25th overall pick. When you could have taken a franchise tackle, there were a ton of wide receivers on the board, Elijah Moore, uh, those guys, you could have taken, you could have gotten ETN in the second round too. Yeah. Could have taken any of the safeties. They could have taken uh, Barmore even. And ETN wasn't going to be drafted by any of those teams. Maybe the bills, maybe the bills Bills were set on edge rushers though. Yeah. yeah, They would have taken themselves. So yeah. And so, even if they did, even if you did go to the Bills, it's like, oh, you know, too bad. We'll we'll switch. We'll you know shift. But if they could have added Tevin Jenkins or Elijah Moore, or even if they went corner there, Merrick, Merrick could have been, Merig, Merig been like, nice. I just I didn't understand the pick whatsoever, and the fact that if they they spent the twenty fifth overall pick uh, on on a guy that might see the field between ten and fifteen times per game, like that's it. It makes no sense to me. And it's just, even if he doesn't, then you're stunting the growth of James Robinson who had top 10 running back production in his rookie year. It just made no sense to me. I didn't like what the Steelers did either. Um, The saints didn't make a whole ton of sense to me. I get Peyton Turner is a little bit like cam Jordan. So he's maybe that cam Jordan replacement, but like Shrikar said, you can go corner there. I feel like they could have benefited from, from other positions, especially because they were looking to trade up too. And then they just end up reaching like crazy for Peyton Turner. Uh, I think the Texans pick shows us a lot about what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Um, but also, I mean, they had already added two quarterbacks this offseason. They signed a quarterback and they traded for a quarterback, and now they've drafted one all in the same offseason. Yeah. It's just a little bit overkill. <laughs> so, like, that draft pick is either, like, it's a bad draft pick or you made bad moves before the draft pick. And then I think just the fact that they didn't have very many picks and neither did the Seahawks, yeah. and yeah. the Seahawks reached with their first pick. So it was like – there were some drafts that it's like, sure, with the amount of picks you have, you can't really do much. Um, but the Steelers and the Jaguars, especially at pick 25, could have done better. And I think you can't debate yeah. that. Those are personally oh, yeah. two of like the only picks slash drafts that I was down on, um, which, you know, it that's that's a good thing. And another pick that like people may question is Patrick Dan at nine, which is a perfect segue into our next topic, because a lot of people are saying, the reason that the uh, that the Broncos went with Sertan at nine is because they're trying to get Aaron Rodgers. This is exactly who we're going to talk about. Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay uh, for what seems like the 100th time in the last year or so. Um, he's upset. He wants the general manager gone, or he wants to be traded, or he's going to say, I'm going to retire and be the host of Jeopardy. Me and Shrikar were talking off air. Aaron Rodgers, for you know a talented football player, a big personality, just uh, you know, a huge name is seeming really selfish. He is seeming just very selfish, uh, entitled, everything like that. So I want to this to kind of move into our topic. What do you guys think about this whole Aaron Rodgers situation? Does he have a point? Does Green Bay have a point? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, predictions where he lands could be the Broncos, who we just talked about. Uh, his wish list, I believe, is also the 49ers and the Raiders. You know, just what do you think about this whole situation? Look, if I'm the Packers front office, um, I'm saying you either play for us or you retire. 
because here's the thing. I'm siding with the front office 100% on this. Last year, it made sense to complain because that draft class was abysmal and you just drafted what could be Rodgers' potential replacement. But in this draft, you know, the Eric Stokes pick, it really wasn't that bad. Like, I feel like, you know, maybe at the time we were overreacting because they didn't get a receiver, but you got Amari Rodgers in the third round. You re-signed Aaron Jones. You have Tunyon. You have, you know, a great O-line. They re-signed Bakhtiari, who is Aaron Rodgers' personal friend. It's like, there's no I in team, Aaron. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because they're... Aaron, what Aaron Rodgers wants, his wish list, that's not how you build a team. He's not the GM. He's longing to be the Tom Brady, you know, of this organization. He wants that sort of power and he's just not going to get it. Like, and this happens year after year. That's why we see this rumor pop up so much. It's because it's a power struggle in Green Bay right now between that front office and its quarterback. And in my opinion here, it, this isn't a Russell Wilson situation. This is just Aaron Rodgers has, you know, he has Devontae. He has the best receiver in the league. He has, you know, what some say is a top five running back in the league. I disagree, but, you know, some people have him there. Uh, I mean, a great tight end, a top 10 tight end. You got a great O-line. You know, they have, they've added pieces on defense. They added, they just added a guy out to play opposite of Jair Alexander. Um, you got a great D-line with Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. Um, you got Adrian Amos, Darnell. Like, do I need to keep going? Like, what? It's just not clicking for me right now because this team, I know you've gone to the NFC Championship two times in a row and you've lost both times. Last year it was accept it was acceptable. This year, you know, I'm I'm leaning towards Gutekunst in this front office because frankly, Aaron Rodgers is looking really selfish. For as much talent as you have in the world, you got to be able, you know, to stay humble. And Jack was telling me this off air because, you know, he loves Sam Darnold. And he was saying Sam Darnold as a young quarterback, you know, coming into this Jets offense, you know, into a terrible situation. He didn't really complain. He just, you know, he went with it and, you know, it didn't pan out. But, you know, he wasn't complaining every single year about his situation, all that. And look, I know Aaron Rodgers is more desperate for a ring. I know he wants to win right now. But we're also talking about this. He doesn't want a team ring. He wants a ring to just put it on his resume. At least that's what, you know, I'm taking away from this. Like, he wants this for himself. He wants this for his legacy. He wants this for his resume. And in my opinion, he doesn't have much left to prove. We all know he's going down as a Hall of Famer, one of the most talented quarterbacks we're ever going to see. It's like to be complaining at this stage of your career with having a talented team around you. I feel like we're underestimating this Packers team. Like it's really good. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. And honestly, I have to side with the front office. Yeah. So I, I think this was like one of the first times on the pod that I've really disagreed with like both of these guys, like really like I heavily disagree with every point. Yeah. So I didn't get, I didn't get this off air talk. I was busy helping my brother with some stuff. So I didn't really get to discuss this before. So I'll give you my point right now. So there's a lot of context that both of you guys either don't know about or left out. So I watched a video on it uh, before I uh, hopped on for this topic. And first off, it really, so this whole Rogers drama, it didn't start now. It started way before. First off, it started in 2018, sorry, 2017 when he broke his collarbone. 
Mm-hmm. That was when he first said, okay, I'm, that was when he first ever contemplated retirement. Keep in mind, that is four years ago, yeah. right? Or sorry, three and a half, right? So that was a very long time ago where he actually finally contemplated it. He discussed it with Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson uh, got on, on, I think, a podcast and discussed it. I don't know which one, but uh, he also talked about that. Uh, that was when him and Jordy were uh, both kind of injured and off that uh, off the roster at the time or not playing. So that was the very first time. And then kind of transpired after. So that was the first time Rogers kind of uh, expresses his frustration with, you know, the Packers not giving him any type of uh, guaranteed security that uh, after that collarbone injury, then fast forward to when they get the new coach, first off, he had no say in it. And they got, they essentially got a kid like Matt LaFleur was very young. So they essentially got a kid who's almost his age. Uh, I think he's younger, actually, I'm not, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's, he's younger. younger. So Rogers had no say. And then the first thing that they tell him, they actually, and this got leaked out. They say, hey, don't be the problem. You don't tell someone to not be the problem if they are, quote unquote, the problem. So you don't tell someone that. And first off, I don't think Aaron Rodgers was ever the problem. Like he was never uh, openly discussing anything. And keep in mind, he wasn't the one who released this. The front office released that part. So that first caused the uh, destructure. That Aaron Rodgers had no say, first off, in the coach, and second, of the fact that they told him that, and they uh, put it out. So they essentially made Aaron Rodgers the bad guy in this situation. So I'm going to side with him on that part. Where is that going to happen? Like, no team has ever done that with any other quarterback, any other star uh, I've ever seen. So that's the first part. Second, you guys mentioned how, you know, this draft class was great. Yeah, I thought it was not great, or at least not bad. I don't think that's what he has an issue with. That's not the issue. Like, yes, the Jordan Love pick he had an issue with. He even expressed expressed that. And who wouldn't? I would too. Uh, Because he wasn't even – you're telling me you couldn't make a quick call to Aaron Rodgers about doing this. This is the same thing that happened with Carson Wentz, and he was angry about it too. Now you're telling me with Aaron Rodgers, you traded up for him. Like they didn't trade up for Jalen Hurts. They traded up for Jordan Love. They didn't even trade up for Aaron Rodgers. That's what I'm saying. Last year was acceptable. I would say I've agreed with everything you've said this thus far. He never had, yeah. So he never had a problem with the draft class. That was the only thing he had a problem with. So, you know, the draft was never an issue. And obviously, I can give you more perspective. They haven't had an offensive first round pick since 2012. Uh, and the only guy that they picked on offense was obviously the Jordan Love. So, you know, obviously there's some frustration there, but it was, that was never like the main thing. Aaron Rodgers has always talked about like frustrations with the Packers front office, which is why he finally put out an ultimatum. Like this is the first time he's ever put out an ultimatum. So this is why I think we should finally be taking it seriously because remember last year, there were always these rumors. I think there were photoshops. It was all speculation. Last yeah. year. So this, this was, yeah, but this is the first time where we, I actually think he could leave. Like I remember we all said this last like, oh, he's no, like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, so that's why, I'd, but I think I disagree on where you guys are saying, like I said, I side with Aaron Rodgers here because here's the thing. Quarterbacks always have big egos. This is if you're in, in the NFL industry, you know this. You know quarterbacks have big egos. Shannon Sharp literally came out and said he was in the NFL for 14 years. Not once did he ever hear a coach bad talk a quarterback publicly, except Bill Belichick. He's the only coach in NFL history that has ever done that. Don Shula, Vince Lombardi, all these legends have never done that. The coach will never bad talk a quarterback in public because you know, you know what they're going to do. They have such thin egos, or sorry. No, thin lines of temper, very high egos. And, you know, we've seen it even with Carson Wentz just now. Like, the saga is very similar. And Aaron Rodgers, sure, you can argue he has a bigger ego than most. And, I mean, that it's kind of explainable considering, you know, at the position he plays. Uh, yes, he's one of those guys that holds grudges. I mean, he had it with his own family. Like, you know, what is what is there not to say about him having it with Green Bay? So, you know, I think as a front office, if you know this and you still public, uh, public, publicly put this stuff out there, 
you know he's going to be angry. Like, and I think the front office, if anything, I don't think you should you should you know really pull this out because again, the trade package you could get for a guy like this. Because here's the thing, he's still under contract for I think a couple of years. Uh, he's rejected all contract extensions because they're not giving him enough guaranteed money, which again is just stupid. Uh, I don't know what you know the front office is trying to do because they essentially we don't know what Jordan Love is. Like we really, we haven't seen him in a preseason. We literally have zero clue what he is. So if you say he's a good backup option, you go ahead. Aaron Rodgers knows what he, you know, we're, we know what we're getting with him. Uh, and the thing is Aaron Rodgers is going to win you enough games to where you can't really get anyone good in the 2022 draft class. So, and another thing is, and obviously the front office is not going to, you know, recognize this because what they're trying to, what the Packers front office has always been about is trying to stay relevant. They've like, they've never focused on Aaron Rodgers. They've just focused on relevancy. Hence the Jordan Love pick, because they know in a couple of years down the line, at least they have some type of intrigue with a Utah state guy who's been, you know, under the fire uh, and under some pressure. Same thing with Brad Favre and Aaron Rodgers. That's what they've done. Um, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, people don't understand. Like I said this a few months ago and I kept the video. It was me saying that Aaron Rodgers brings more value to his organization than probably anyone else in the NFL. Like this dude attracts free agents, attracts people to come over here. Zadarius Smith has said it. Um, Christian Kirks, he said it when he joined. Like so many players have expressed them joining is because of Aaron Rodgers, no matter his personality. They've expressed it. And he's been a great team guy. Last year, he was great. Like you saw him celebrating with teammates along the sideline. He was very adamant and active in uh, all captain meetings and stuff. He was there. I'm just very disappointed in how the front office kind of made him the bad guy because there's a lot of the times he wasn't like he was not the problem back then. He was just asking for more guaranteed money after injuring his collarbone a second time. I don't know what other quarterback wouldn't do that. So the fact that they put out that statement and I know Shrikar didn't mention, I don't know if you guys knew about it, but the fact that they clearly said that he was the problem, don't be that. And they put it out. That's why I'm kind of on Aaron Rodgers' side. And I think he does. He, if anyone has the right to express frustration with anything, it's one of these guys. And yeah, it's a little bit overkill. Fine. But this is fine. Like, I think it's just build up since that collarbone injury. And I told you, this is three and a half years in the making. This is when he finally expressed it. And I'm totally fine with it. And I think, you know, it's, it's his, and also the thing about the Super Bowl, to just the last, I don't think he's, he really, he has no, he's never been that competitive. Like, for example, Tom Brady was asked in the draft-a-thon if he could give up the two, if he could give up two Super Bowl wins to have a perfect season, he said he would. Like, he genuinely said he would be a five-time Super Bowl champion if he could have that 19-0 season. Like, Tom Brady cares about that stuff. Aaron Rodgers is not that adamant about it. Like, he's, I've never heard him really say, like, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to be known as one of the best ever, or like, anything like that. He's never been like that. Uh, he's contemplated retirement all the time. So, like, he, he's one of those guys that just, you know, I feel like he focuses on the little things rather than the big. So I don't think he's ever, you know, said to himself like, oh, I need the Super Bowl for my legacy. I don't think he's one of those guys because, again, like you said, it kind of works both ways. We know what we're uh, like, what his legacy is going to be. So I don't think he cares about that. But it kind of wrap up and let Jack give his opinion, because I think we got two different sides here. I'm with Aaron Rodgers on this one. I think how the front office kind of treated him and made him out to be a bad guy is a little bit, uh, you know, just out of the ordinary with every other front office. And that's why I think the Packers, you can see. Just their front office just hasn't been good. Coaches haven't really been good. Mike McCarthy is fired for a reason. Front office just hasn't made good draft picks, in my opinion, over the last few years. And uh, that's why I think um, I would say – Jair Aaron Alexander Rodgers, was drafted. No, so, no, yeah. no. They've, I think they've made they've made good pick, but, like, the Jordan Love again, I think that was just – that's just such a bad – That's one know, pick, here's, here's Here's I my thing on that. They, no, I would – but 
it's for Aaron Rodgers though. I think that one pick definitely deserves some type of like you know adamant anger. Like oh, you take definitely. him to an. That's end. not what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Look, yeah, I want to say so, one thing. I mean, you said he's turned down every contract extension. And since that, mm-hmm. 2017, he's just been very almost angry towards them, uh, contemplated retirement so many times. I think mm-hmm. it makes a ton of sense. And there's definitely a reason they took Jordan Love. Sure, it may seem stupid. Oh, my God, you have Aaron Rodgers. But you're talking about how Aaron Rodgers won't sign with them. Yeah. And how he's contemplated retiring since 2017. I mean, taking a quarterback makes sense then. And no, my say, thing is you, not the pick. It's just not telling him or making a quick phone call. I get that. That's but my only thing about no, it. I get that. And I, and, I've, and I agree with a lot of the points you said, like up to this year. Like in the past, 2017, not giving enough guaranteed money. I totally get that. Them making him the bad guy, I totally get that. But I think this year, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a point. I think like – especially when it comes to you're saying that they're trying to stay relevant. I think they're trying to stay a good football team. I get they've only taken one offensive player in the first round in the last 10 years. And that's Jordan love, but it's because Aaron Rodgers is such is so good that they're probably just telling Aaron, you know, we trust you. You're going to put a good offense on the field. Let us just build the team the best way that we can. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if that means drafting nine defensive players in the first round, then that means that means drafting nine defensive players in the first round. And I disagree with you saying that they haven't had good draft picks. I mean, Kenny Clark, yeah, no, Alexander, they, yeah, I, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, have. Brian Bulaga, uh, Devontae Adams. Like I can go on and on. Darnell Savage. Like, no, they know what they're doing. They're building. Yeah, they their know team what they're doing. I just think through the they, draft. They, I think Rodgers should have that type of say that you know Russell Wilson or Brady. Well, actually, Russell. I mean, he's starting to get some. Uh, but like Brady's had, I think you know Manning had. Like that's he is in that echelon. Like as much, I think he is. But, like, but he, yeah, but no should. matter what they've done, like say even if it's only drafting defense, they put a top tier offense out on the field every year yeah. because of him. And I think he's got a. I I just feel like he, getting upset and saying that you want the GM fired because of all this stuff. I mean, like that's if, the if, wrong if, if it comes down it's to like, me, I'm not saying that the front office is right. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is wrong, but I'm saying. If it comes down to it, and you're the Packers right now, and you're faced with prioritizing your GM or prioritizing Aaron Rodgers, it's an easy choice for me. I think you prioritize it. You're not going to fire your GM. You're going to let Aaron Rodgers walk. Because Aaron Rodgers also, I mean, you have to point out, he hasn't won big games for them in the yeah, past. Yeah, I was going to throw, throw that out. Yeah, he, he, had, he lost this, yeah. He's lost multiple NFC championships. He's choked in the playoffs. It just it hasn't seven and happened. eight since the Super Bowl win. Exactly, and a but what lot has the of GM done? Every sleepy. single year, they put a top tier NFL football team out on the field. You can't with, put you can't put that record on the yeah, front office. All the draft picks, and think about it. They've signed some great free agents. Amos is a good free agent. Uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Zedarius Smith, Smith great Preston free agents. Smith, yep. Like they always and they drafted almost an entire offensive line. I mean, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. I know Corey Lindsley and Brian Bulaga are gone, but they've developed players. They developed those guys. Every yep. single mm-hmm. position. And so TJ Lang too, back in the day. And like, they addressed and so, O-line again in this draft. It's yeah. They addressed O-line and they got him a receiver on the third. And last year, I know AJ Dillon didn't make sense because they had Aaron Jones, but they thought that Aaron Jones might walk in free agency and they wanted to have that running back there for Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. I just don't think if, it, if it's really about personnel and them not uh, like helping him, He's a 35-plus-year-old quarterback he, who, who's won multiple MVPs in the Super Bowl. He shouldn't need to be helped. He's the one that holds down the quarterback well, position and brings the offense together. 
he should no, no. get I mean, the help. They, he should they, get the help he needs. Want to build around your quarterback. You do build yeah, around your should. quarterback, but at that point, he's proven that he doesn't need to be built around. No, no, no. He's going to put that offense out. But if you him. have an opportunity to give him that, like you can't ask him to always do do more with less. Like That's he's true. had to do that most of his career. But like, he I, already I has say, like, the help he needs. Half, he's been to two yeah, straight championships. He's done it with. with I uh, understand with, that their wide receivers behind Devontae Adams aren't great, but they're good, and he's proven he he can throw to them. Like he's proven it works. And maybe he's just uh, like, maybe it's kind of one of those things where he's like, oh, I'm just tired of doing all the work here. Maybe it's that. And then, okay, I get it. But then don't say in that scenario, go fire my, go fire the GM. I, no, no but see, that's, it's not, I don't think it is a personal issue. I, I really don't. Like, I think the only time you like, like he's been kind of angry was, yeah, like not drafting a receiver last year, but also like, you know, guys like Will Fuller, they didn't pursue, like, I mean, just, certain times where they'd be like top tier free agents. Like obviously they've gotten defensive side. They've gotten some good ones, but never that tier one. And I think the Packers have had that stand. Like they were known as title town. Like they have a weight in the NFL. Like this isn't a, a, you know, yeah, it's a small market quote unquote area, but this Packers organization has always had that, you know, big name. And a lot of it is because of him. And I think it's not a person, it's not a personnel issue because, um, again, like you said, like Aaron Rodgers knows the talent he's had around and he's always thought highly of every teammate he's play, like, he's play, like, I don't, I've never really heard him beef with a teammate. Um, so he's always spoke highly of them, but yeah, he's always been back and forth with, with the front office and there is a power struggle. We're seeing it with guys like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a tad bit younger. So maybe he goes through a similar phase like this. Who knows? Maybe he gets injured. Maybe there was less guaranteed money on the table. He gets angry too. Like this could be a similar saga. Uh, but I do see your point, Jack. Like I, I made a mistake by saying the Packers don't have good draft pick. I was trying to mention the Jordan Love thing. I just, I still, you know, I question it. Like why they trade up? Because that's that is like I feel like that move itself was kind of a shot because this was after. Yeah, Lafleur I mean, was it hired. feels like it feels like a direct so, middle finger, to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but if it's because they know he's not going to resign, like I understand the pick. And so, but when the you thing is, Rodgers Wilson, waited a year. His camp waited a year. Like this is this is pent up stuff like this isn't because yeah. of last year it's I pent up aggression i get that yeah but here's the so, thing you talk about teammates like what is this going to do to the team to the team's exactly. chemistry because when he what gets is, back to the locker room right with now. all of this boiling up it's like how or i mean because you say aaron Rodgers, no, but he's, you know, he's never so that's, highly but, a teammate, think, but so i think his like he's very strategic with this camp like he want everything that's gotten out to us was he's run through by him yeah he knows what was thrown out there. So I'm sure he's talking to teammates too. Like people like Bakhtiari is also expressed from like he is, he recognized Aaron Rodgers. Right? Like he said this a couple of times, like I said too, Jordy Nelson knew about all this stuff. Like he's very, like, I, I don't think he ghosts like his team. Like, I feel like, like I remember Le'Veon Bell actually like ghosted some of his teammates. Like he didn't tell them anything. So this isn't like that. So I don't think it's going to be that type of holdout. But if I'm being real, like this is really the first time I've ever thought to myself and said, like, damn, Aaron Rodgers might not be a Packer next no, year. No, this like, seems I've, for real. This yeah, seems like, for real. No, for no. Sure. The, as soon as as soon as Rodgers um, gave the ultimatum, I think that was when I said, okay, like I know this is real. Like he's, I I, I think the retirement thing might be a little bit of smoke. Like I, I doubt it. Like he's he knows he's still got plenty of football left in him, uh, and he's not that you know, egotistical where he would give up his career. I don't think he, I don't think he's lost that passion for football yet. Like he, he I, like, he's one of those guys that I feel like will lose it like at around 40, 41, like he's not going to pursue till 45, like Tom Brady, Tom Brady's just different breed. But like, I think, you know, regarding the saga, maybe to transition it, like now that I like, at least for me, I think it's kind of, 
flipping over the fact that like I'm like 60 40 Rodgers is not a Packer next year. Like I, I really I still think he's going to be a Packer. I really I, think he's going to be a Packer. This is, like this if if the situation gets even worse than it is right now because think about it like there was I mean he's oh also there was another team that he included recently like the Giants I don't know how I don't know why but he did uh mm-hmm. so he just included the Giants recently I guess New York um, for the market I, I don't know yeah like there there I mean it's a really if you think about it though it's a pretty good fit with the the weapons that he, yeah. he would have um so, but I mean if you guys want to maybe throw out your you know potential teams or like what you guys think is a better fit if you want I could start like I think Denver I've always said Denver and Washington were my top two uh, just coming into it before I even knew his his list. I just think Denver would, you know, with the defense that they have, Vic Fangio is always going to put out a top 10 to 12 defense 100% of the time. And now you've got three stud corners, Sertan, Kyle Fuller, um, and Bryce Callahan. Uh, you can put Sertan on the outside, and Callahan remains in the slot, and then you got, obviously, Kyle Fuller on the outside. I think that's tremendous. Juan Miller, I think they could still try and bring him back. I don't think the thing is – I think he'd have to be involved in that trade, to be honest. He, no, he's yeah. going to be in that trade. I – I don't know if the Packers would want him though. Like, you know, I think he's a little bit old. Like, is this production really going to be, you know, that elite? I don't know. And also then you would kind of have to, you know, because I think Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith, you know, that would be interesting. Preston's gone. I mean, Preston had a Preston had a bad year this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, I think it would be a little bit of questions, but like maybe I think Chubb would be the guy that they might have to deal in, Possibly. That, in a deal like that. So, but also like the thing is, we don't know the trade package that a guy like, that an MVP would bring, like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like you know, even it with Deshaun be, Watson, we weren't sure what the package yeah. would be. We so still don't what know. Is, we still don't yeah. Know. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, I don't know what the package. Even would then, be like you're already like you're already thinking like your top two draft picks for the next couple of years. You're thinking of you know maybe a cornerstone player because yeah. even though he's like old, like this is the reigning league MVP. Like yep. he's still this, got this is a consensus top two yeah. to three yeah, quarterbacks. It's like. like it's gonna um, be an it's I'm, gonna be a crazy package. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I was thinking, I was ahead, thinking, yeah. I was thinking, um, I was thinking Miami at first, just because they had the capital for it. But then, as his wish list came out, um, I immediately drew my eyes to Denver, uh, just because you know their QB situation is still unstable. You know, even after bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, um, I think with the Dolphins also, it's I don't think they're gonna move off of. I know it's Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think they're gonna move off of two after this year. Um, especially giving up all that capital. I know, I think they're building their team in a specific way. And I think trading for Aaron Rodgers, you know, kind of derails that a little bit. Um, But with the Broncos, he has the weapons. He has a capable defense. You know, he's got the pieces in place to win. This would be Peyton Manning 2.0, except Aaron Rodgers is more talented at this stage of his career. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for Denver to do that trade. Jack, I hate, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? No, I I mean, I think I I was just going to, kind of bring it all full circle and wrap it up. We're going to see this. We're going to see it play out. We'll know soon. I mean, we'll, I think we're going to know soon. Um, and I want to clarify, like, we're not trying to hate on Aaron Rodgers. We've grown up watching Aaron Rodgers, the most talented quarterback of our generation. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to get there. But we've grown up watching Aaron Rodgers. We're just, I think, Shrikar and I, at least, are just a little bit confused on what's going on right now. And if it's really a personnel thing, I, I think we just don't agree with him. And there's a th- there's yeah, difference between hating would, on a player. I would also side with you guys on that yeah. too. I, there's a difference I between would. hating on a player and not agreeing with him. And I think as of right now, Shriga and I just don't agree with kind of the way that he's going about things. Um, but we could be wrong. I mean, or Anish could be wrong. It's it's. I think we're just kind of trying to talk about the situation. The situation we will see play out soon. Um, but 
anyways, that's going to wrap up our episode talking about the draft, talking about Aaron Rodgers. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Uh, If you're on YouTube, please consider hitting the like button, hitting that subscribe button, notification bell, and leave a comment letting us know, you know, what you thought about the draft, your favorite team's draft, favorite picks, or even this Aaron Rodgers situation. Same thing if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. uh, Please consider subscribing to the podcast and and leaving us a five-star review. Um, like, like we mentioned before, our manscaped, uh, sponsorship, you get, get 20% off with free shipping with the code CHT 20. It'll be a, a description, pin comment description for the episode. You guys can find it all there, but we'll be back next week, probably with, you know, another episode revolving on some things around the draft, or maybe there's an update on the Aaron Rodgers news. We're back every single week, but thank you guys so much for listening. We've been the cold hard truth and we will see you next time.